Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, astute listeners, you'll notice that uh, in our strange news and listener mail segments, uh, we will occasionally note a topic that bears further investigation. Uh, and to be candid, you know, uh, we work assiduously not to accidentally turn those segments into, you know, a, a full episode. But we do keep notes. We're not just blowing smoke when we say we're going to follow up on something. And that brings us to today's episode. In a previous listener mail segment, we learned of Ireland's vanishing triangle. So thanks again to Kira for alerting us to this troubling tale. Today, we'll be exploring a series of as-of-yet unexplained disappearances that have haunted the nation of Ireland for decades. These cases remain unsolved today. Here are the facts. I guess we should start with what is the vanishing triangle? There are always there's so many triangles. You know, there's like the Bermuda Triangle. Exactly right. Your your mind immediately conjures like some sort of mysterious vortex in the middle of the sea where ships get you know sucked down into the uh, the great beyond. This is different. This is a geographical triangle that is very much on land. Um, but the vanishing triangle specifically refers to a series of mysterious and as of yet unsolved disappearances in Ireland that took place in the mid to late 90s, specifically between 1993 and 98. As you'll find out in the episode, um, this is a very kind of small geographical location, so it really has taken on kind of a life of its own in the, I guess, lore of the, of the region. So there is an unofficial list of disappearances that includes eight women ranging in age from 17 to 39 at the time of their disappearance. 
So why is it called a triangle? Well, everyone who's listening, you know that people have gone missing in Ireland prior to that date in 1993, and people have gone missing after that date in 1998. This is specifically looking at a set of eight women who who ranged in ages. So we're, we're looking at younger women around 17 uh, or 17 all the way up to women who were 39 at the time when they meant when they went missing. And uh, it really it's a triangle because it's just looking at the places where these women were last seen. Really, that's that's what we're focusing on. That's why it's a triangle. And and part of this goes to uh, the editorial choice of various Irish media outlets. They used the phrase, and this is not a ding on them. It is, uh, it is common, and some people may even argue necessary for news organizations to find a, a an umbrella phrase that encapsulates uh, a series of events, people, places, or things. So. The reason they chose this phrase is because, as we as we said, all these disappearances take place in, in the same rough area. If you pull up a map of Ireland now, and you're looking at it, you'll see that uh, you'll see – pay attention to the east coast. You'll see the capital, Dublin. And then if you look up, if you sort of let your eyes wander up the coast, you'll see Dundalk. And then if you let your eyes wander all the way down – You'll see Wexford also there on the coast. And the way people usually think of this is, as you said, Matt, uh, based on where uh, these individuals were last seen, the furthest inland is kind of the the point of our triangle here. Uh, That is the disappearance of Fiona Pender from Tullamore, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into the stories of these individuals at this point. But... But as as you mentioned, this encompasses a lot of stuff, urban areas, rural areas, the Wicklow Mountains, and we're not talking about a huge region. If, for example, you wanted to drive from Wexford there in the south to Dublin, it would take you about two hours. So it's not, you know, it's not the best commute, but there are people who could live in Wexford and go to work in Dublin every day. There are worse commutes even here in the States. So at this point, we need to talk about the sequence of events, the circumstances of these individuals, and keep in mind, um, keep in mind what we said earlier. I love the point you made, Matt. There obviously were people who went missing before 1993 and people who went missing after 1998. But the eight people we will introduce you to today have never been found. No bodily trace, no allegations that they contacted someone years later. They simply seem to have disappeared. The very first disappearance, each of these has unique, distinct aspects, right? And we can't I, I think it's probably best to treat each one as a unique case before we try to connect them all, other than with those three commonalities. All women, all disappearing in this eastern coast of Ireland area, and all still missing today. First disappearance, Annie McCarrick went missing on March 26, 1993. She was not from Ireland. No, she wasn't, but she was uh you know of Irish descent or you know at least had Irish roots, Irish blood, uh, and was very, very interested in exploring that uh, on a solo trip to Ireland. She was from Long Island, New York, um, and at the time of her disappearance was living in Sandy Mount, which is a coastal suburb of Dublin. She was twenty six uh, she was last seen in the Wicklow town of Enniscary. Uh, and is presumed to be dead. And it's interesting too because she was she she went to Ireland by herself. She's clearly someone who was very uh, let's say self possessed and had kind of drive because she wanted to explore this part of her you know heritage. Uh, and she didn't have any friends, and she was known to be pretty outspoken and good at you know kind of ne- never met a stranger type person. You know. Yeah. And uh, with her disappearance, she was a bit far from where she lives in Sandy Mount. 
where we discussed that's where she was residing, at least while she was in Ireland. She was seen at a post office down in, I think it's, uh, what do we say, in the scary. And she may or may not have been seen at a place called Johnny Fox's Pub, uh, which is a bit further away from that area. And he, uh, we tried, We uh, just so everyone knows, we attempted to make a Google Earth map of all these disappearances. And we're going to continue working on that after this episode. But uh, you can, it's, it's interesting to see how far some people traveled on the day or night that they disappeared. How far they are, they are believed to have traveled. Exactly. We, we very quickly get into situations where uh, investigators have to question the credibility of some witnesses and, you know, in defense of many of the witnesses involved, uh, people will tend to be honest when they say, I saw something, I saw someone, I cannot confirm. Um, but you're, you're right with the distances because it, it was a dark, wet night uh, during, uh, during the time of McCarrick's disappearance, and it seems odd that she would have walked what is it, six kilometers of distance through that weather, you know? Um, but that seems to be the case. She was, as we said, never, never seen again. However, stay tuned because at the end of this episode, we do have some updates that may interest you. Um, almost breaking news. Just a few months later, on July 25th, 1993, Eva Brennan from Rathgarm disappears. She was 39 at the time of the disappearance, and she was last she she was last seen leaving her parents' house. She had gone over there and grabbed lunch with the family. Interesting part of this case, despite the disappearance of McCarrick just a few months earlier, uh, the Garda did not investigate the the authorities here. Did not investigate. Brennan's disappearance for at least three months. Yeah, it's definitely a bit weird there uh, that they didn't do that. The The problems, to my understanding, is that she was an adult and there was no sign of any kind of, you know, break in at the house or any kind of foul play. At least initially, there was nothing that would speak to her disappearing for any reason other than she just left. And that's uh, at least according to the authorities, that was why there was no investigation for that amount of time. But of course, as the family, knowing that your loved one is gone and this is not normal for them, um, th that is excruciating. And I can't imagine what that family must have gone through. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head there because, again, it's not it, it, the process of investigation moves differently if we're talking about a 13-year-old person versus a 39-year-old person. So fast forward a little less than a year, January 3rd, 1994, 22-year-old Imelda Keenan disappears. She is from Mount Melick or Mount Melick. So there, there are a couple, multiple witnesses who saw her walking. She was last seen crossing the road at a corner of the place called the Tower Hotel in Lombard Street. This was mid-afternoon. This wasn't in the middle of the night. She had left her apartment around 1.30 p.m., I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, another really strange thing, because she's, you know, we said she's from, what was it, Mount Melick, uh, which is quite a distance away from where she was staying with her boyfriend. I think at the time, her boyfriend's name was Mark Wall, um, and she was living, or her place of residence was very close to where she was last seen there by the Tower Hotel. Just a weird situation, the middle of the day, and then she's gone. Then we have uh, Josephine Dullard, Jojo, to her friends, who disappeared on November 9th, 1995, at the age of 21. Uh, she was living in Harold's Cross and disappeared while hitchhiking home from Dublin. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, she was a waitress, um, at a, at a nearby, uh, restaurant and, uh, had some car trouble, I believe. And last was seen using a payphone. Police pulled the phone records and found that she called her friend, Mary Cullinan at 1137 and ended the call just as she was about to enter this other car. Uh, the driver of which remains unidentified. And, and with JoJo's case, there are conflicting witness stories, kind of as we mentioned with Annie's case. There's 
it's tough to know who's telling the truth, who actually saw Jojo get into or get out of a car, because there were a few other witnesses that came forward. And there are also some kind of strange reports. And, and I don't know what to believe or not, because, you know, I'm looking at sources, sources like the mirror uk or the mirror irish the irish mirror i guess and it's just tough to know what's real or what's not but there are some stories in there about her possibly getting into a car with two men um maybe not and there's even a story in the said mirror that we can talk about later about a garda member that maybe knew the identity of her killer but was unable to come forward with it now, is this the one where there was also a story of someone seeing her like r- get out of the car uh, in in like under duress and like runs kind of from the scene? Because I, I know one of these there was an account of someone witnessing uh, one of these women like actually very violently exiting a car and then running away. You know, honestly, I can't remember if that was Jojo or not. And it's also a little bit hard to discern what is hearsay and what's been kind of built into right. some of the folklore of these stories over the years. Cause That's very you true. can find, you can find videos online of, of people talking about this and the stories seem to evolve outside of what reporting exists. Yeah. There are a lot of twists. Again, each of these cases is as distinct as a fingerprint. And like the driver of that car, Dullard has also never been found. Fast forward, February 13th, 1997. Ciara Breen from Dundalk disappears at the age of 17. Uh, she, this is, this is different from some of the other cases because she was at her mother's house. Her mother is named Bernadette and they went to sleep. And according to the the mother's statement to authorities, she awoke a little bit north of 2 a.m. and decided to use the restroom. And when she did, she found her daughter missing and a window propped open. This led her to believe that her daughter had snuck out with the intention of coming back. And there's been speculation that she was actually sneaking away because she had a, um, a boyfriend that she didn't think her parents would approve of. Further speculation that this uh, this boyfriend may have himself been married, but in either case, that was the last trace of her. And we don't we don't have to get into it right now. But there was a primary suspect in that case that ends up being kind of important uh, and connecting uh, to some other things. But then the leads, you know, don't really appear to go anywhere. But we can we can jump into that later. And like you said, Ben, she she is still missing. So then let's go to the next person that went missing, Fiona Pender. She was from Tullamore, and she went missing on August 23rd, 1996. Uh, She was 25 years old, and unfortunately and terribly, she was seven months pregnant when she went missing. That's pretty rough. Uh, The last confirmed sighting of her was by her boyfriend, a man named John Thompson, and her boyfriend saw her leave the apartment that they shared together. And there's something a bit strange with this case. Um, ben, you, you, you found this as well as I, uh, something happened in 2008. Yes. Yeah. Over at the sleeve bloom way, which is at the border of awfully and, uh, forgive our pronunciation here, folks, uh, Lois Laos, uh, L A O I S at that border on the sleeve bloom way, people found a small wooden cross with the name Fiona Pender on it. And this naturally led some people to believe that Pender was buried somewhere in the Sleeve Bloom Mountains. There's much more to each of these stories. Again, we're just establishing the bare bones facts here. So the seventh individual grouped in the Vanishing Triangle is one Fiona Sinat. She disappeared on February 8th, 1998. She was from Rosslair, but she was living in Broadway at the time. She was last publicly seen leaving a place called Butler's Pub with a guy named Sean Carroll, who was her ex-boyfriend and the father of her then 11-month-old daughter. The authorities, of course, uh, spoke to Sean Carroll at length and we know we know his rough account of 
of the events of the night. But we should also note that he was not, just to be clear, he was not accused of having a hand in the disappearance. So here's what Carol tells them. He said that he was with Sinat at Butler's pub. They left. He walked with her back to her house and he slept on the couch. And she said uh, she had been complaining of uh, some pain in her upper body and her arms. And so she said, look, I'm, I'm just going to go to bed straight away, call it a night. And then according again to his account on the next day, Monday, February 9th, he walked into her bedroom and he found her awake. She said she was still hurting and she wanted to hitchhike, take a ride to see a doctor later in the day. Uh, he says that she had no no money on her, so he gave her uh, three pounds, I think. Yeah, and that was it. And then she was gone. And we, we you know, it's terrible because we only have the story of her, her boyfriend at the time. It's just... Uh, her ex-boyfriend, I guess, and the father of her child. So, you know, obviously for authorities, he's going to be suspect number one. Uh, to, to our knowledge, he was never formally charged with anything dealing with Fiona's disappearance. But um, there's still some weird stuff because there's discrepancies in the story here. There were several. Uh, there was no evidence that she'd either gone to the doctor or hitchhiked at all. Also, her house had been uh, seemingly, you know, kind of rolled, uh, stripped of notable personal belongings. Um, there is a retired detective sergeant named Alan Bailey who said that there was a, quote, complete absence of clothing and other personal items indicating that a teenage girl and her 11-month-old daughter were actually living there. Uh, so not necessarily looking not necessarily the appearance that those things had been removed, more so the appearance that they never were there to begin with. Um, and then the news started to spread uh, of Fiona's disappearance. A local farmer came out to authorities with the news that he discovered a number of black duffel bags uh, in the corner of one of his fields. And they had some pretty interesting and damning con contents. And just want to remind everybody here, we, we mentioned just a moment ago that there's no indication that a teenage girl lived there or, or a, you know, a child, a, a baby. Um, we should just note here that Fiona was only 19 at the time she disappeared. And back to this farmer. He tells investigators that he found these these a number of black bags and inside these bags, he found items and documents that had Fiona's name written upon them. So this is smoking gun evidence, right? This this is something that builds a serious case if it still existed. Because you see, unfortunately, the farmer said that he had burned these bags before he realized how important they were. He thought this was yet another case of illegal dumping, right? And he thought there were just people who were littering or purging their house and just throwing it to the wayside. Which is which is a shame that words have a tough time really articulating. You know what I mean? That's weird from all angles. Ugh. I just want to be an investigator on the ground there. Be like, oh, really? Okay, you burned them all. Interesting. Okay, cool. Oh, really? So you slept on the couch. I just want to interrogate everybody, Ben. All right, let's go. <laughs> so our last one here, 18-year-old Deirdre Jacob. She is home. She was in London at the time, but she had traveled home to Newbridge for the summer. And on July 28th, 1998, she disappears in, in, in an enormously tragic way. Uh, she, is she is like on the way to her parents' house. She's very close to her parents' house. Multiple witnesses in cars saw her like yar within yards of her parents' driveway. And she never made it. And no one knows what happened or no one has come forward with knowledge of what happened. Like the other seven individuals, she too seems to have disappeared. So some people have included additional disappearances as part of a larger pattern here. But you'll find that most official inquiries now list these eight individuals as the core, the core people in question. And in the decades following, 
a multitude of authorities, journalists, authors, and more have searched for answers to these haunting questions, should be no surprise that theories abound. So what happened? We'll explore that after a word from our sponsor. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Here's where it gets crazy. Now, peek behind the curtain, as we sometimes say, uh, the, the three of us were, were working over time to make sure we were just putting out the facts in the beginning. Uh, because these all have a number of theories from like maybe, possibly, but no proof level of theories to disturbingly plausible. Would you guys say that's accurate? I think that's extremely accurate. And the big the big question here is with all of these eight disappearances, is it even possible that one suspect could connect all of them or maybe a few of them, maybe most of them? You know, it's not it's within the realm of possibility. But as we've just described to you before the break there, that the many of the disappearances do feel similar where there's a vanishing in, you know, out of nowhere, just in the middle of the day, uh, as with uh, Deirdre there and a few others that we talked about, um, Imelda, a few others feel a bit different and almost like they maybe shouldn't even be added on this list because they appear to have been, you know, with loved ones at the time when they disappeared or right before they disappeared. There's just some strangeness in here. But the big question is, is there any one person that connects more than one 
of these victims. And I think the most the most uh, telling connective element is the fact that none of these have any. There's there's no body, you know, and and for it being such a relatively small geographical area, um, you know, most disappearances like this, if they were random, if they were random abductions or you know uh, domestic or something like that, you would have a body. I'm glad that you bring that up. Because that's that's something that's going to come into play later, and I believe it was I believe it was in our earlier listener mail segment on this. Uh, I can't remember whether it made it to air, guys, but there are rumors that areas of the Wicklow Mountains are known uh, body dumping spots for criminal elements. It's a tremendously unpleasant thing, but I promise you. Whatever city you live in, anywhere in the world, there are always places like that. There's uh, there's areas of a place called Douglasville, which is outside the perimeter of Atlanta, which is a known dumping spot. There are areas of Southwest Atlanta as well, and this is not this is not to say Atlanta is any better, worse, or different. Places like these are around. You just don't hear them talked about too often. Yeah, and and Kira. You know, who is from Ireland, she identified that her father is someone that would say, yeah, be careful of the, the mountain range over there. That is, it's tough to even walk around in those mountains without finding a body. Uh, that was the quote, I believe, from her father. So, yeah, they exist in, the, in this, this area where this triangle is, is one of them. Ah, and and we'll, we'll return to the question of remains in a moment. Let's, let's, yeah, let's look at whatever connective tissue may exist outside of the circumstances of the disappearances. There is one name you will hear, and you have heard this often if you are familiar with the case, as of a criminal named Larry Murphy. Larry Murphy has been convicted of rape. He's also been a a prominent person of interest for the disappearance, uh, the disappearances of at least three of these eight individuals, Annie McCarrick, uh, Josephine Jojo Dullard, and Deirdre Jacob. This is because all three vanished close to the area where he lived at the time in this mid to late 90s time frame. So let's, let's learn a little bit more about him and why so many people are certain that he had some sort of involvement. Is very much not a good person, by the way. Spoiler alert. And the dude is stinking famous in a gross way. Yes. Uh, infamous, infamous, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You, you decide. Uh, Murphy was convicted and imprisoned in 2001 for the rape and attempted murder of a Carlo businesswoman the, the previous year, 2000. He was attempting to strangle her in a wooded area of the Wicklow Mountains, uh, at night when he was surprised by two hunters who happened upon the scene and took matters into their own hands. Thankfully, do you, do you guys, do you guys remember that story? That was the one where he had assaulted her once, mm-hmm. like took her out of, she, he abducted her, assaulted her once after he took her out of the vehicle, put her back in the vehicle, drove her to another place and, and was doing it again. So we see a location change. Uh, we also see a clear intent to murder this person. And as we mentioned in that previous episode, Murphy has claimed he is not connected to any of the eight disappearances. He has been questioned multiple times, but uh, to date, the official position of the authorities is that they don't have solid evidence linking him to a case like they they haven't found any um anything that they can really build a bedrock case on here and there are a couple things that do seem to connect him right the he had a i think he took a job very close to one person that disappeared um it was deirdre where where he was a carpenter correct Mm -hmm. and that was yeah that was over in newbridge i remember I remember that. Um, I, I don't. I don't even want to like give this guy any more. I don't want to talk about him much more. But it is weird to note that in Irish publications, when this guy Larry Murphy got out of prison, he like he made the news when he got out of prison because everyone was aware of him. 
And then as he moves around, there are sightings of Larry Murphy that are reported mm-hmm. all over the place. It's noted in publications who he's hanging out with, where he's hanging out. I guess that's what I mean when, by he's famous in a, a gross way. Um, there's a fear about him, as there should be, I would say. But but there's also a fascination with him, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's, I, I would say notorious uh, is a good word as well. You're right. He was, while he was in Ireland, he was uh, visited by a member of the authorities every month. Because he was considered a high-risk offender, also followed by plainclothes police and so on. However, he did travel to Spain. Uh, He was spotted in November of 2012 in Amsterdam, where he was living with a friend who is also a criminal, a violent sex offender. Uh, And as of, I believe, 2014, he's believed to have moved to South London, There's another part we need to put in here that's just about the timeline. Uh, No disappearances occurred while Murphy was locked up in prison for his earlier attack. I believe the court could have given him life in prison, but he was only sentenced to 15 years. So that's part of the public outcry when he was released. And for people who believe that Murphy is linked to all of these, the fact that no disappearances occurred when he was in prison seems to add weight to their case. But you have to remember, he was convicted in January of 2001, and the last uh, Vanishing Triangle case occurs in 1998. So it's not, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not the same thing as hard proof. The other piece of proof, as we mentioned, is that Murphy works as a carpenter, carpenter by trade, and he had done he had done some work at that grandmother's shop there in Newbridge. Uh, but also, we have to note that Deirdre Jacobs' mother has publicly stated that she does not believe Murphy was involved in the disappearance of her daughter. You know, that that is that is the parent that's not an official investigator. But I think it's worth noting that the family members, the mother in particular, does not believe that he had a hand in this. Let's go back to the point you mentioned, Noel, the the most troubling commonality, the lack of a body. It's unusual for people to vanish. Uh, If we take the cases of Eva Brennan and Fiona Pender, we'll find that There's been speculation that links them to uh, two other disappearances that later did prove to be murders. There are two people whose bodies have been found, Antoinette Smith and Patricia Doherty. Yeah, I mean, this this you could argue this is like this breaks the pattern. Um, Ava Brennan and Fiona Pender uh, have also been linked to the murders of Antoinette Smith and Patricia Doherty Smith who was a 27-year-old separated mother of two, went missing in July of 1987, and her body was discovered the following June in a shallow grave in Killikey, uh, and that's in the foothills of the Dublin Mountains. Uh, Doherty, on the other hand, age 34, disappeared while shopping on uh, the 23rd of December in 1991, and her remains were found in June of 1992 by men digging turf uh, in the same area of the Dublin Mountains. So what if they're not actually connected? Um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of woods in this part of the world. There's a lot of like places to bury bodies. But then, Matt, weren't you saying that in the listener mail segment, there was somebody saying almost practically like you walk around, you're going to stumble on a body. Yeah, yeah. That, that was what our our listener's father had to say about the subject. Um, just something something I want to point out here, the, the Killikey... Uh, or Kalaki, I, I don't know how to say it, the Kiliki foothills of the Dublin mountains. This is that same mountain range that we were talking about. It's just south of Dublin if you're looking at a map. And it would be like if you lived in Dublin and something had occurred there within the city or right in the outskirts of the city and you just drove towards the mountains, that's where you would end up is Kiliki, essentially. Yeah. So let's say the quiet part out loud. 
many, many people began to think this could be the work of one person, if not necessarily uh, Larry Murphy, who again has not been convicted of anything related to these eight disappearances. Uh, the word people had in the front of their minds was serial killer, or the, the term, I should say, the phrase. And it is crucial to note that authorities have not officially publicly stated they think whether they think it's all the work of a single person. You'll find some reporting on this issue. It seems to imply that the authorities suspected a serial killer for all eight disappearances. Remember, these are still technically not murders uh, at this point. This, this is somewhat misleading. For sure, there can be individuals in law enforcement who may believe that to be true. But that's not the same thing as, as the authorities taking an official position. In at least three of these cases, the Guardia strongly suspect that there was a personal motive to these murders. That, as regrettably so often happens, the killer was someone the victim knew, someone from their own life, and a different person each time. So Ciara Breen went missing when she snuck out of the house to supposedly meet this uh, secret lover who may or may not have been married. Uh, law enforcement for time had a specific suspect and they were they were a little vague but pretty clear that they they think the answer to the case may be closer to home uh, they also say they believe Fiona Sinat's killer was someone she knew uh, in the Fiona Pender case there was a specific suspect who seemed to have dated her for a time and was later tried for uh, some sexual assault crimes in Canada. Uh, this, this man was 41 years old. Uh, he was arrested for assaulting and threatening to kill his wife. This arrest later led to what appeared to be new information in the Fiona Pender case. Uh, the, way that, the way that the legalities of this work, the man could not be publicly identified, uh, due to a ban on anything that would I, uh, identify the victim in a sexual assault case. So it's not for his protection, it's for the victim's protection. So there's definitely more, more to discuss here. And we're going to, you know, we, we've, we've talked about a couple of things that we're going to hit on uh, in just a few moments. But first, we need to take a break and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer... 
Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. So we've covered some of the other considerations here. What about other people that went missing during this time period? Also, why did the disappearances stop? Or were they simply, you know, not reported later? These are important questions. And there aren't solid answers yet, but we do see some potential light at the end of this tunnel in in a couple of different cases. So remember Annie McCarrick, just this past September 2020, a man named Michael Griffith, a lawyer based in New York, teamed up with an ex-FBI agent named Kenneth Strange. Michael Griffith was hired by the McCarrick family back in the 90s to assist with their investigation. And just just a few months ago, Griffith and Strange came forward with their news. They believe they found a new lead. Mm. There's a woman named Margaret Wogan who says she saw Annie McCarrick on the day of disappearance with a man in a cafe in Inniscary. Wogan, unfortunately, has passed on. Uh, she she was working in the Poppy's Cafe, and she said. I saw a man approach Annie McCarrick in the cafe and offer to buy her a slice of cake, but she never gave a formal statement about this incident. She told her daughter about what she saw, and now this team of investigators believe this piece of information could be the key to solving her murder. Uh, as we record, they do say they have identified a suspect. They've spoken with Irish law enforcement, but this suspect's name has yet to be released to the public. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually heard this angle briefly discussed in a in a uh, podcast that I listened to uh, the other day called Morbid that I actually quite enjoyed. Um, they did a two parter on this subject, and one of the theories um, that's being discussed. A, bit on Reddit, there's a lot of deep conversation about this on Reddit, is, you know, this was a person we described at the top of the show, kind of exploring her Irish roots, who was very outspoken about how fascinated she was about all things Irish, um, and, you know, really wanted to kind of have an authentic experience. And there's a theory that uh, the gentleman in question here could have been a um, member of the, a former member of the IRA, um, the Irish Republican Army. And once we know that they, they, you know, they can get involved in it's, it's something resembling it's not. I mean, it, it is like a how would you describe the IRA? I mean, it's almost resembling organized crime and, and the fact that they like do they, they they have feuds and there's bombings and there's lots of covert activities. Right. So the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, you could describe them as uh, paramilitary organizations, but they've, they've gone through uh, quite a few changes uh, over over the years, even while even while we were alive, you know, for sure, for sure. Um, but the fact is that there there are lots of illegal activities that folks involved in the IRA can get into, including bombings and you know um, uh, strategic moves on rival factions. And the theory that was discussed on this podcast um, was that that this gentleman was capitalizing on 
the fact that uh, this young lady was very interested in all things Irish and perhaps got a little loose-lipped about some of his IRA activities while drinking, um, you know, at this pub or at this restaurant, and then perhaps sensed that she was starting to kind of get weirded out a little bit or that he had maybe gone a little too far um, in trying to impress her uh, and then decided he needed to do something about it. Because Annie was the one who was possibly last seen at that Fox, is it was it Fox and Hound pub? That's interesting. The Johnny Fox's pub. Mm-hmm. And we have further updates in the case of Jojo Dullard in particular. We have to remember that once these headlines leave the evening news, the story continues and the investigation continues as well. And even if years pass, uh, cases like the Golden State Killer uh, prove that investigations can make breakthroughs. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about JoJo because there's a allegation of a cover up in this one too, I believe. Oh yeah, and, and it comes directly from from the parents, from Mary and Martin, uh, the the parents of of JoJo Dullard. And this was a story that was published in 2017 in the Irish Mirror. Again, it's the Irish Mirror. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know. Who knows if it's fully true or not, but the parents do seem to be involved. There are pictures of the parents on the publication, uh, and we're just going to tell you what it says. According to the family, there was a 1996 meeting between the family and some of the law enforcement there, the Garda. And according to the family, there was a senior official, that's what they're calling this person, somebody high up in the organization, that for some reason... Let them know that the authorities knew the identity of the person that had abducted, raped, and killed their daughter, but they were unable to do anything about it. They were unable to make the investigation go any further. They said, quote, the investigation won't go anywhere. And apparently this person even gave intense details about what happened to their daughter, about how she was, quote, wrapped in plastic and buried 10 feet underground specifically using a digger, all kinds of things that only someone who had actually found a body would, would know if the, if it was true. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to the family, they believe this person was telling the truth. They thought it was, you know, actual information. They didn't understand. They also alleged that there was some kind of smear campaign and there was a bit of a smear campaign that was put out against Jojo Dullard And this has happened before when women go missing, where the character of the victim is called into question for some reason or another, when you're thinking about motive and suspect and who could have been um, victim blaming in a lot of cases is what you could probably refer to it as. There's just, there's some really interesting stuff that was laid out here by the family. The biggest thing to note is that according to this story, the person that was being protected the you know the murderer or the suspect in this case was allegedly someone in politics or close to politics or politics adjacent and that's why this person was being protected and this this case continues there are more updates here we know that uh, later in 2019 an irish priest came forward saying that he received an anonymous letter that could help illuminate the mystery what happened to jojo dullard this this is strange because he said that he received the letter after there was another public appeal for more information about her disappearance and he received this letter in 2016 Uh, he says he brought it straight to the authorities and that this letter had the the writer, the author of this letter stated they had information uh, in relation to missing persons. And the priest believed it was in reference to Jojo Dullard, although the anonymous author did not mention this person by name. How does this all shake out at this point? We don't know yet, but we can tell you that as of October 2020, uh, the Guardia has upgraded the case of Jojo Dullard, to a murder hunt. Their serious crime review team and the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation launched a review of the case back in February of 2020, and they concluded that 
uh, serious harm was done to her, that she died by some violent end, and they are now treating her disappearance as a murder investigation. So something happened. It's not public yet, uh, but something is there, and something convinced the investigators that there, there was more to learn about this case. Yeah, it really does make you wonder what caused, what triggered the investigation to, to turn this way all of a sudden, all these years later. We're going to certainly keep our ear to the ground and see if anything comes up. And in the meantime, we would like to hear from you. Uh, this this case bears more investigation. There There's some wonderful literature out on this if you'd like to read more. Uh, we'd also recommend keeping an eye on the developments in the investigation of law enforcement as these, as we said, uh, investigations into these cases continue today. Let us know what you think. Do you think Larry Murphy was involved? Do you think there is a cover-up afoot? Do you think there is one person responsible for these disappearances, or do you believe it's multiple people? We want to hear from you. We try to make ourselves easy to find online. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show. Hey, and you can even find us individually on Instagram, right? Can Matt, what's yours today? It's for today. It's you can't find it at Instagram.com. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, you're not going to use the cream corn kit? <laughs> not this time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, while you're searching for Matt's, you can find mine at How Now Noel Brown. Uh, I'm pretty much just on Instagram. I just kind of lurk on Twitter. You can write to me directly on Instagram. Any questions, suggestions for topics at Ben Bolin, uh, or you can do the same on Twitter at Ben Bolin HSW. Because I did not know that our company's name would change so very many times. <laughs> I did the same thing initially, and I just called mine underscore iHeart or something at this point out of frustration. But it's fine. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but, what, but what if you don't sip the social meads? Uh, what, what if you, like many other uh, luminaries, have made the decision to de-socialize yourself online, but you still have a tale to tell? Where do these people go? Oh, mead, like the drink. I get it now, Ben. Oh, yes, exactly. Uh, well, don't drink the meads. Sometimes it's, it's just way too sweet and it's just not what you're looking for. And the honey, I don't know. There's something about it. It doesn't it's a do bit, it for it me. It's a bit much. Yeah. yeah it's instead, the honeyed elixir of the gods. <laughs> that is true. But instead, Sorry. take a deep, long sip of ye old 1833STDWYTK. It's the most delicious beverage you'll have all week. Uh, We'll enjoy it too. It is really great. You, we get to enjoy it while you enjoy it. This is weird. But. I'm loving. I'm loving how weird our our uh, calls to action are getting, folks. What one day if we ever make Mission Control or Codename Doc super mad at us, they might just publish a collection of all the weird things we've said at the end of shows that didn't make it into the air. Yeah. Please don't, Paul. So how about just how about this? Call us, one eight three three stdwitk That's the number. Leave a message. Let us know if you don't want us to use your voice on the air or your name or anything like that. Otherwise, uh, you just will. So ha. And also, if you, want to, uh, if you want to leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice, uh, we, we'd love to hear from you there as well. That stuff does matter. Uh, we had a long-running joke uh, where we said, you know, every time we get a, a review, our boss calls us and just cryptically says, one more day. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not entirely true. We're exaggerating a little, but um, but we do, we do very much appreciate it, should the spirit so move you. If you want to see our faces, then you can go to youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. Uh, keep your eye on that. There's more to come. But if you don't like any of that, if you're, if you're like, look, I'm a long form person, I like writing letters, then we have a digital letter box for you. You can always find us 24-7, 360, what is it, 365 this year? This year. Okay. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> is, you, can, you can always find us at our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night. Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.